The children are dismissed to Children's Church. <laughs> Remember to please sign your kids in if you haven't. Dear Lord, we thank you for all the kids in this place. Lord, we thank you and we ask that you would just bless them and cover them that the words that they hear about your love, uh, Lord, as we know in your word, your word doesn't return void. We just ask that you would bless them, guard their hearts and their minds, bless those that are working with them, and we just thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to serve you in this place this morning. I ask that you would bless this word to the body, Lord, that we would be moved, encouraged, uplifted, and challenged. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. amen. Turn with me to Romans chapter 12. We took a little detour from Romans as we were going through leading up to Christmas, but I think that just in the way that things have worked out where we're starting today, which is where we've pretty much left off in Romans, Romans chapter 12 is a great way to start the new year. I don't know about you, but for some reason I gave up on New Year's resolutions because I think it's kind of, you know, any day could be a new day, right? We don't have to wait for a new year. Um, but one thing I know for sure that I hope that you as the body are encouraged that has, you look back in the past year, if you've been attending here, that you feel like you've learned more in the word, in its context, and how it applies to your life. Because as the body of Christ, it's more than just preaching and teaching and worshiping, it's encouraging and using our gifts to bless each other, amen? And it takes consistency and time for any relationship to grow, not only with your personal relationship with God, but your relationship to people in this body as well. Hopefully you've gotten to know somebody new, reached out. Now, how many of you know it's not easy to get to know anybody new, right? We're always like, well, this is kind of my time. I'm here for me. And I get that sometimes we go through struggles and we can't think about someone else all the time. But I, I truly believe that God's greatest blessings come when we set ourselves aside and get to know someone else. And through that, God begins to work and do things in our life individually through the corporate body of the church, amen? The church is not this building. It's you and I and anyone who is a professing Christian is the church, right? It's not a denomination. Now, there's all kinds of denominations. First Church of God has been around forever, and the reason first is in front of it, if you're visiting today, is because it was literally the first Church of God in Red Bluff so many years ago. Now, back then, that was important to people. Today, I think the name seems kind of silly. First, not Church of God, but the first part, because it just seems a little like, how do you really hear the first, right? But having said that, the body of Christ the believers, we have a type of relationship and growth that we're to have together that the world should take notice of. When Jesus talked to his disciples, how do, will they know that you are my disciples for your love for one another? And so I, that's the most important part of being in a church body is that you're in a place that you feel like you can grow, but it takes an effort on your part as well. You can't just wait for everyone to come to you you've got to kind of reach out of your comfort zone. It's comfortable for us to just do what we do business as usual. But that doesn't usually bring any change in our life, now does it? Right? You look back and you're like, well, 
it didn't go the way I thought, but if we're honest, a lot of the times we didn't put any effort in it. So having said that, I want to encourage you to get to know somebody new as we go into this new year, because it's important. Amen? I don't know about you, but the older you get, the years go faster. Right? I remember as a kid, a Saturday would last forever. I could watch cartoons. I could dictate my day based off what I was watching. And Saturdays seemed like forever. And I could stay out until it got dark. Stuff we wouldn't even do today. And that's how it was. Days, but as you get older, you begin to realize and you cherish your time and what you do. So I encourage you in that. But as we get ready to go for this new year, something to think about. And this is a scripture that we go over a lot. And I'm going to read it, and we're going to kind of break it down because I think it's important. And so we're going to start in Romans chapter 12. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual worship. I encourage you. Now remember, Paul is talking to Gentiles and Jewish group of believers there was oppression that was happening in Rome at that time against Christians. There was persecutions, but it wasn't so widespread. It was more small in certain areas. But one thing we know for certain is the Jewish believers had a hard time with the Gentile believers, and the Gentile believers had a hard time with the Jewish believers. And let me break it down. If you don't know who you are in that, it, it's Gentiles would be considered us. If you were not Jewish, you would be considered a Gentile. So the Gentiles, who came from a different background entirely, gave their life to Christ. And as it says in Ephesians, that middle wall that separated people should be broken down in Christ, and we're all one, one body. But as you know, people have different opinions. You get a lot of type A personalities anywhere. There's going to be a little conflict on who's going to lead and what's going to happen. So Paul is writing this letter to encourage them because there was that little schism that was taking place, but he's encouraging them that where it starts is that we are to be a living sacrifice. Well, what does that mean? When we think about a living sacrifice, what does that actually mean? Well, we know in the Old Testament that they would, they would do actual animal sacrifices and these things that they would do, and that, was, that would be something dead. They would bring their, their best of their lamb or whatever they had, and they would sacrifice it, and then they would eat the meat, and the priest would, and it would fill the house. And all. This was kind of the norm. It was a ritual, and it was easy for them to begin to compartmentalize and do, but when it came to serving God and being the light that they were supposed to be, because the Jews were to be the light to the Gentiles, they failed. They became more of a religious group, and they served themselves instead of serving the very people that God had called them to. It says, all nations will be blessed through you when he made that promise to Abraham, but they had forgotten that. They became self-seeking and self-serving instead of serving and loving and, and bringing forth who they were supposed to be in the love of Christ. They showed something completely different. And in doing so, it was easy for them just to go and play church, if you will, and go through these. Paul is saying, hey, no, it's something greater than that. We are to be a living sacrifice. You are to choose to give your life to God daily. You are to choose to give him your body. Now, people go, what do you mean, give him my body? That means your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? That is what it is. Your body, if you're a Christian, for this to work the way it's supposed to, you have to give yourself to the Lord. And that means not just like, hey, fix this problem, God, and then I'll attend church. If you fix this, I'll give here. 
If you do this, it's not a bargaining thing. It's an absolute surrender. And where you are in your life individually, you'll know if you've come to that, where you're like, God, I really need you. And you humbly ask him to come into your life. Not with any conditions other than, I need you, Lord, in my life. A place of desperation. Some people, there's different stages. Some people have to hit rock bottom and be just smothered before they ever realize and can call out and say, God, I need you in my life. Some others, maybe some of us are a little easier to say, hey, I need you. Some of us have a wrong representation of God. Even if you've been in church a long time, you don't understand and you're still too trying to do it by works because you don't understand that he loves you and has a plan for you. You're still trying to earn that because you're still trying to earn that from your own mother, your tangible mother and father, if you will. But God is so much different. All throughout scripture, we see his mercy and his grace. He is there to restore, to heal, and to renew us into a new creature, a new person in his image. That is what we are to do. We are to live and to serve him. So when Paul is writing this, he's saying there's three things that we're going to see that have to take place. We have to give him our body, our mind, and our will. Our body, our mind, and our will. If you would turn with me to... 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6 we have, do you not know, or chapter 6 verses 19, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price, therefore honor God with your body. Now, a lot of people think, well, what does that mean? Well, I don't drink, or I don't drink in excess. I don't use pills, and I don't do drugs. What about cholesterol? What about the other things that we do to our body? What about not working out? Now, I'm not saying you all need to go hit the gym, but your body is a gift from God. You might not always think so, but it's a gift from God, right? We are to serve him. Now it's getting quiet in here. <laughs> Once I mentioned cholesterol, you guys have no problem talking about drugs and alcohol, but when we talk about McDonald's and chicken nuggets <laughs> or those French fries that just never, you know, you'll eat them off the floor, right? We're getting, now we're hitting home. That affects your body too. Right? That affects your body too. I'm not saying you can't, you know, you got to eat, but God gives us wisdom. Your body is not your own. There's certain things in place that God has put that if we obey and do, there's fruit in our life from it. A lot of the times we have issues and people go, how did I end up here? It was from a long time of bad decisions. And sometimes that damage is irreversible on this side of heaven. I am saying this to encourage you that your, temp your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. So we want to honor it and take care of it. Amen. And so that is what Paul is saying. Let's turn also over to Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7. You, however, are controlled not by... You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. 
If anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give, also, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. So God will give you life and renewed life by his spirit that is within you, but we can't live according to the flesh. The flesh is after the flesh. The flesh is, is always going to be the same. It brings forth death, but the spirit gives life. And he's saying this because he wants them to understand, first your body, you give the Lord your body. The body is the Lord. You could start this year and say, God, what can I do to be in better health with the body that you've given me? What can I do to serve you? with my body in, a, in the right way. The things that don't honor you, you ask him to change your heart about, amen? And sometimes if it's something that you are addicted to, I'll tell you, the way to change your attitude about something isn't waiting till you feel better about it because that's not gonna happen. We don't like change. We don't like change. How many of you order mostly the same thing at every restaurant you go to? Right? We are creatures of habit. We know that we can make new decisions based on that. We don't have to live the way we used to be, right? We can live new. Every day is a new day. I say that to myself because I need a new day. But I also look back and I realize I'm not the I'm not the person that I used to be that God has been doing things in my life even though sometimes in front of me I don't always see it and sometimes I question if anything's happening but when I really look back I can see that God has been faithful and these little steps that I've been doing to get closer to him he is honored and I have grown closer to the Lord the things that used to bother me don't bother me so much certain things that I used to get angry about don't anger me I mean I've become a different person because my mind has become renewed. I'm renewing my mind, and it's a process. It's not something that you're ever gonna master, by the way, and anyone who acts like they have should be a red flag. Because you, you know, if you, if you have a renewed mind and you think different, people are gonna notice, and you're gonna notice something different too. A perspective, a heavenly one, is what we need in this world right now, amen? Not what we see around us, not what the other people are doing, but what are you doing with what God has given you? Another verse that if we look at, it says in Romans chapter uh, 6, verses 13, do not offer your parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been bought, brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. In other words, give your, your hands, your feet, the things you do, the gifts that God has given you, your, your talents, if you will, are gifts that God has given you. You can use those to encourage the body of Christ. You can use those things to bring light in a situation, to meet the need that someone else has. Amen? Amen? No? No one's? You still stuck on cholesterol? Is that where we're at? Right? No one talks about that, do they? they we can bash on alcoholics and drug addicts all day, talk about that sin, but there's a lot more in that category that hurts your body. Not walking when you should walk hurts your body, right? Not exercising hurts your body. Again, quiet. 
So turn back with me back to Romans chapter 12. So when we talk about Romans chapter 12, therefore in Romans, it's mentioned like four times, by the way, in Romans. As we enter into 12, it says therefore. And in Romans 3.20, it says therefore, and it, it spoke about the condemnation of the world. Therefore, they, they love darkness instead of light. In 5.1, it was therefore their justification by faith. In 8.1, it was therefore the assurance that we have in Christ. And now we're in 12.1 when it says therefore in the beginning, Therefore, it's speaking of the dedication that we would have. So true dedication looks like this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies. In other words, because of his mercy and what he's done for you, in King James Version, it says, it's your reasonable act of service. You give to him, to the Lord, because he's given you everything. Because of his mercy for you, and what is mercy by its translation? Do you deserve it? Can you earn it? It's given to you in spite of yourself. It's whether or not you receive it. You understand? So because if he's forgiven you, what does that mean? Can we forgive those? Does it mean you're going to feel like forgiving? You'll never feel like forgiving. This is how I overcame unforgiveness in my life. And I mean, it was so bad when I see this person, if if I had my heart monitor that I do now on my phone, it would warn me that my blood pressure has gone through the roof. Have you ever been upset with someone so bad that your blood pressure changes and you're not moving? That's how upset I was. And I didn't know how to do it because first I thought if I just forgave him, he's getting away with it. But when I continued to bring it to the Lord, I'd say, Lord, I hate this person right now. Help me not hate the way I feel in my heart. Help me forgive them, because I know it's not entirely their fault, but I see it as their fault. Help me just see the way you see. Help me forgive you. I give you this person. And every time I would get angry, I would give that name to the person again. I'd say, in Jesus' name, I give you this person. Lord, help me. I said it probably a hundred times to where now I don't, my blood pressure doesn't change, and I'm not angry. But there was a time I wouldn't believe that if you told me that's how it works. I thought once you say it, it's done. Sometimes you gotta keep giving it to the Lord. You gotta keep giving it. And you might feel weird in your car saying, God, I just give you this person, I can't stand them. That's okay. Say, God, help my heart, change my heart because I don't see how I'm gonna get through this, right? Change my heart because I've been hurt and I pray that, Lord, you bring everything to light. If you know that someone's horrible and harmful and doing horrible things, you can pray that God brings them to light and brings them to justice, but let God bring the justice. You can pray for that and ask for God to release that control that it has on you. The root of bitterness defiles many, so unforgiveness won't just affect you. It will affect your family and your friends and those around you. It will affect your marriage. Unforgiveness is the number one thing, I think, that causes Christians to stumble because they forget that they've been gifted mercy from God and they are incapable of giving it. If you can't give it to someone else, you haven't really received it because the only way you receive it from God is knowing that you don't deserve it. And when you know you don't deserve it, it's easier for you to help someone else in need. Does that make sense? Or to let somebody go. They're not getting away with it. You're just not letting them control your mind anymore. 
and your life. And believe it or not, you are letting them control your life because you know what? That might have been a bad thing, but you're still serving it. Make it serve you and give it to God. Amen? Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Do not conform any longer to this pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That tells me right there, if you're not being transformed, you're being conformed. See, the pressure from the world on the outside wants to change the way you think. It never stops. We're motivated by fear to purchase things. Everything on TV in one way, TV programming, and I'll hit it again if you don't know. It's called programming for a reason. You cannot watch that for a long period of time without it affecting you. When we think the world's going to end, people spend more money. And I do think we're in a crazy place in the world. Don't get me wrong. I'm not watering any of that stuff down. But security is only going to be in Christ, not in what you hoard, right? If you're not right spiritually with God, you could forget the rest. None of that's going to matter, right? Preparation starts with him because he gives you a godly wisdom that doesn't come from the world. And when we're dealing with a world that's fallen and broken, I want his wisdom, not man's wisdom, and the world and the pressures outside conform and change the way you think constantly, where the Holy Spirit, that word transform, is actually comes from the word metamorphosis, which means to change from within inside. So by the power of the Holy Spirit, you're changing inside and your mind is changing the way you think. And that only comes by meditating upon the word. If you're not in the word, you're not going to change the way your mind thinks. It says renew your mind. Why? Because our mind is broken. From the moment we're born, it's broken. Regardless if you think it or not, I mean, you can just tell your mind is going to tell your body what to do. Right? So if your mind isn't right, you're not going to be able to put your body in the right position to receive or to do the things that God would have you do. That's harder, by the way, as a living sacrifice than just going through the motions Right? When Jesus turned the tables over, he was so upset because they were taking turtle doves and all these other things and they were selling them to people to get a profit for their forgiveness of their sins. When he turned the table over and whipped the whip, that's what he was addressing. He turned the temple of the Lord into a den of thieves. That's what they did. And he called them out on it because instead of meeting the need and being the light to the world, they control, wanted to control the world. And that's why they wanted to kill him. They didn't like Jesus because he didn't come the way they wanted. And he gave grace to those that were in need. The Samaritan woman, for instance. The Samaritan woman was a, was, would be considered a, uh, an, uh, let me say this in the most nice way half-breed in the sense that they wouldn't look at her as being a full Jew. She's partial Jew and partial Samaritan. So in other words, the Jews could not stand them, but yet the Samaritans still held to Jewish belief, and they had their own church service, but they didn't have the full knowledge of Scripture because they weren't fully Jewish, but yet they still recognized God, Elohim, and they wanted to serve him. Jesus meets her at the well. Think about how powerful that is, because the very religious leaders, and just as we learned in Romans chapter 11, because of those people, the Jewish people of that time who would not receive Christ, in fact, wanted to do everything opposite, the Gentiles, us, we're grafted in. 
God made a way for us because they dropped the ball. And he'll still make a way for them, but that's in God's timing and how that'll unfold. But he recognizes the heart of the person. And when you look at it and you think of it that way, that's why he went to the Samaritan woman. And yes, he called her and read her mail, but she was sensitive. He met her there at that spot and she recognized who he was. Afterwards, right? After he mentions that I am the living water, you will not thirst anymore. And then she went and told everyone in the community. See, Jesus reaches to those who know they have a need and then something begins to take place. The super religious people of the time, and even our time today, if people think that they got it all figured out and they've got everything, it, you know what? Good for them. Because really it comes down to where you are with God. And all I know is every time I've looked at people, I've been disappointed. They've let me down. Even if they're great, they still can let you down. But Jesus doesn't let us down. And so Paul is encouraging them. He's, now he's talking to the Gentiles. He's encouraging them, hey, your body isn't your own anymore. Your mind isn't your own anymore. When we live for him, there should be a distinct difference between us and the world. The way we live and the way we think. It's not to come across as better than or lord our gifts over. It's to serve and to the more impact. It's like, it's called, um, what is it? Uh, relational theology. It's kind of a new thing, but not really. It just means when you're right with God, your relationships will be right. Now that means people can still make bad decisions, but you're going to handle them better. When you're right in relationship with God, the other things around you, the, the, the problems that you might have, the social interactions that you have are going to be better because you're right with him. Amen? And I believe that because every problem we have in life is a relational problem, isn't it? Every problem we have in life could be considered a relational problem. So when we're in right relation with him, the things around us will unfold and be the way that they should be. Even if someone isn't, you're going to handle it better. Amen? So do not conform any longer, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If we don't have that, a renewed mind, then we will not be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Have you ever said, well, what's God's will for my life? Some buddies would say, to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Okay, that makes sense. But what is your specific will? I believe you being right with God, you're walking in the will of God. When you're right with him, you're doing the things because you're going to end up pushing, positioning yourself because you're listening to the Holy Spirit. You're going to be doing the right thing. You might think it's mundane. You might think the little things you have and the little interactions in your life are not significant. But let me tell you, that's where God moves the most. The lady at the well was just going to get water. Right? Look at all the people that were impacted in the Bible. They were just doing their normal tasks, their job, their day-to-day -day in life, and God, and they had an encounter with God. You might not know the importance of the, uh, somebody that you might have in your path that God has put on your heart and you pray, and you might not think you're making a difference because the devil isn't going to tell you you're making a difference. He's going to tell you that nothing's happening. And then your mind's going to say, yeah, nothing's happening, right? But you don't know what God's doing. And I believe everything you do to glorify the Lord in your life, and it's, it, it's in an act of service and your motivation is in the right place, there will be fruit. Either now or years from now, there will be fruit. 
And you know what? Think about it. No one got to see exactly what was in front of them in the Bible. But when they look back, we can see, just like it says in Hebrews 11, you know, the, the, those in the clouds, the witnesses watching that didn't get to see all the things that we haven't even, we've even got to see in our life as it's unfold. They didn't get to see, but they knew and they trusted God. It's the same for us. Sometimes when I go, God, what are you doing? And I look back, I can see, yes, there's fruit. But if I look right now in front of me this week, I sometimes can struggle. I can go, what is God doing? But God is moving in the small little things in our life if we yield to him. The simplest thing is checking on someone. And I say that a lot because it is proven that people, one, like to hear their name. Did you know that? When you ask someone how they're doing and then you listen, instead of telling them how you're doing before they answer, right? You're making a difference. As little as that. When someone asks you about your faith, do you know that that is a door that God has opened? I, when I go anywhere, I don't like to tell people what I do because then they judge me while they think I'm judging them. In reality, they're judging me. And then I don't feel like they give me an opportunity to get to know who I am as a person. Oh, you're pastor. Oh, this and that. I'm Sean. I'm a person saved by grace. This is a gift that God's given me to do, but that's not, doesn't define me. I'm a child of God just like you. And I say that because when people here know that I'm not at them, then they start asking me questions. God opens those doors. He'll do the same for you. When people know you're a Christian at your workplace, how do they know? Because you're nice and kind? And, or do they know because you're a jerk and you say you're a Christian? It's kind of funny, but you know what? We need more Christians that are kind and nice and decent people. If you say you're a Christian, what does that mean? It means that you're giving the Lord your body, your mind, and your will. That means that's first and foremost is what people, now it doesn't mean you're gonna get it right all the time, but when you're making an honest effort, people notice. They know fake from not. I mean, we live in a world where people would rather take their body and there's nothing worse and we see it all the time. You see a beautiful actress or actor, whatever, and then they get all this plastic surgery done and you can't even recognize them. And all I can go is, oh, why? It doesn't work, people. But you can't tell Hollywood that, can you? How many of you have seen a successful facelift? Proof, right? We'll do everything to fix the outside while the inside is dying. That's the world. They put all their value on what they look like and not who they are. And they need Jesus. Imagine that. All the money and effort for what they look like and it doesn't do anything for who they are. You go, well, beauty is on the inside. It truly is. If you're a Christian, people will notice by who you know by your countenance. When you're with the Lord, your countenance changes. So as we go into this new year, we have an opportunity to set these things in motion, these things in place, to know that we are a living sacrifice. Lord, what does that mean? How can I live and serve you today in the workplace? Some of the greatest testimonies in my life is when I was busting tires in Costco in Novato and everyone knew I was a Christian and they tried to make me curse and they, tried to, they, they pushed my buttons and I just worked hard and I tried to be kind and finally, within the la after one year, I had two or three of them just open up to me with tears. And the whole time, I didn't think I was, I thought I was failing. 
I thought I was a horrible Christian. I wasn't doing well. I had bad thoughts. I wasn't, you know, the guy I thought I could be or I should be and all this, but I did want to honor the Lord and I worked hard and I wanted to, I prayed for them. I did. I prayed that God would open a door and he did. And when God opens that door and you prayed for it, you get this like measure of faith because you knew you prayed and God answered. It's a testimony. It's something that you can't take away once you have that. It's something and it scares the devil. I believe it 100% because when you begin to be effective in knowing, and I'll challenge you now, Find someone to pray for specifically for an opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus with them or get to know them. Just pray for that person. You, some of you know someone struggling so bad and you don't know how to find the right words. Start praying for them and God will give you the words. And if he doesn't give it through you, he'll give it to someone else. But just give them to God and ask him to move. We underestimate the power of it, but that's what things begin to change. If your heart is dark, you pray that God would bring light to it. If your relationship is suffering, you pray for your spouse and you pray for you, that you would let God, let us serve you together. Help me serve instead of wanting to be served all the time. Help me take this place of loving you and putting you first so that I can be a living sacrifice, something new and fresh. I want you to be encouraged by that because our mind does need to be renewed. And when I think about that, a lot of the times we don't understand what that means. A perfect example of a living sacrifice in the New Testament is the first time worship is ever mentioned. It's in Genesis chapter 22, when Abraham takes Isaac up to the place to be sacrificed. The Lord told him, hey, take your only. Now, this is a hard thing to take, but it only makes sense when you look at God's faithfulness. On the outside, people go, what are you talking about? But God is faithful, and Abraham knew that God would be faithful, and it's in the text to see. But God says, Abraham, take your son Isaac, and I want you to go up on the hill to worship, and I want you to sacrifice him. And you're like, that's absurd. It is absurd to think about. But God called Abraham to go through the motions in doing so. And Abraham obeyed. And when he took Isaac and they got the firewood together, and Isaac wasn't a little kid. He was probably in his teens. He was enough that he could put up a fight if he wanted to. And when he goes up there, he's getting the wood. He's probably going, well, where's the goat or the lamb and what we're going to bring? And God says, no, I want you to take him and you go up here. And you notice he takes his servants and they go up to the hill to the place of worship. And as they're traveling three days in, he says to his servants, you guys stay here. We are going to go ahead and we are going to worship and then we will return. We will return. And as he goes up there and gets through the motions and begins to do that and puts him there, I believe 100% Isaac went willingly, also trusting God. God provided the ram. And in doing so, they worshiped. And in that story alone is the first time worship, the word worship itself, is ever mentioned in the Bible. And there's something in scholarly realm, if you will, that if it talks of about sometimes it's for the first time it's mentioned, that's very significant in how we interpret Scripture. And when we look at worship and that being the first time, it tells me one thing. Worship has to cost you something. And your true spiritual worship is you living for God and not yourself. And that's a hard pill to swallow for people who still think 
that you know, God might have it out for them or they don't understand or what about my, my wounds and what about my heartache and what about my breaking? All of that can be healed, mended and patched when we give ourselves to the Lord, trusting him that he sees and knows all things and will heal all things in his time. I believe that is where the true healing comes is from total abandonment onto the Lord. You just give him everything. Like, God can't figure it out. And I've done that in my own life in certain areas, not in every area, but in a lot of areas, I've just said, God, I have to trust you. And he has not let me down. But that's me. You have to do it for yourself. Where are you not trusting God and can you give it to him? And sometimes it's just saying, as the Lord's prayer is, not my will be done, but yours, O Lord. Not my will, but thy will be done. And you say that every day. So you could start this new year going, God, how can I serve you today? Not my will, but your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give me this day my daily bread. And forgive me my debts as I forgive those who are indebted to me. And lead me not in temptation, but deliver me from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. There's a reason the early church quoted that all the time. Do you know why? Because when the disciples asked Jesus how to pray, that's how he instructed them to pray. Now, I'm saying, I'm, you can talk to God, I'm all for that. I say the same thing. I pray to God in my car, the way I talk, the way I'm looking across the room. I could pray for people in the back, and they don't know it. And I don't, you don't have to close your eyes to pray. That's not in the Bible anywhere. I could pray right now while I'm looking over here and over here because God is there. It's a relationship. I can talk to him. Amen? And so when you look at it that way and you pray and you seek him, not my will, but your be done. What are you doing? You're taking your will and you're submitting it to God. And when we submit our will to God, we're giving our mind to God. And when we're giving our mind to God, our body follows suit. I truly believe you are who you think you are. And I don't mean that. That's like all over the place in self-help stuff. Right? But the Bible says, a man, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. They didn't come up with it. It's in here, in Proverbs, right? As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If you're down and out and you're not filling yourself with truth, you're gonna be down and out. And that's all you're gonna be. But when you fill yourself with truth, you apply it. And when you don't understand it, you get on your knees and you pray and you ask God to open it to you. And you continually go through that form of saying, God, not my will, but yours be done. Help me live this year as a living sacrifice for you. Because I believe when we do that and we submit to him, there's all kinds of evidence in scripture and even in your own life, you're gonna experience God in a new way. He'll tell you things to give him, sins you haven't let go of, things you didn't think you could get freed from, and he will free you because you are making an effort, an honest effort, amen? And that means even working on cholesterol, <laughs> right? I mean, all of it, it's the same. I mean, when you look at it, sin is in your body. Is your body the Lord's or is it your body? If you give it to the Lord, watch what he can do. Amen? How many of you know God could do more in your life than you can do in your whole lifetime? By submitting to him, you are allowing the Holy Spirit to move in your life. And we need Christians like that. Amen? We need the body of Christ to be a light. Amen? In the world. Not, oh, look what we're doing. Oh, look at us over here. None of that matters. Who are you 
when you leave this building? Who am I when I leave this building? When I drive across town and someone's slow? When things don't go the way I plan? When I get angry and I feel like I've been cheated? And maybe you have. Who are you? Are you Christ or are you you? I want to give my life to Christ. And it's something we do every day. Amen? Would you stand with me as we get ready to go? We're going to get into the rest of Romans chapter 12 next week, so please go ahead and read ahead. Lord, I thank you so much for the word that we have that as Paul has written to the, the church in Rome, Lord God, to encourage them not to conform anymore to the pattern in this world, but that we would be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Lord, I ask that even now your Holy Spirit would bring to our mind how important it is to allow your word in our life. It says, how may a young man keep his way pure by meditating upon your word and doing so day and night? And in doing so, Lord God, we are changing the way that we think, and then we're changing our character. So, Lord, I thank you that you're faithful, that, Lord God, you restore our soul, you move in our life. So I pray for those that are struggling with your uh, being able to hear you or what you're saying, that, Lord, you would give them a hunger for their, your word like they've never experienced before. For those who've said, you know what, I'm going to start going to church. That's my New Year's resolution. I pray that they would stay the task, that they would find a place here that they could call home as we get to know you together, but that, Lord, they would be changed by your word, motivated, encouraged, because, God, you who began a good work in us, you are faithful to complete it. And I'm so thankful, Lord, that you are the author of our lives, Lord. You are the author and the finisher of our faith. So, Father, let us yield to you so that you may continue your work in our life. Let us not take it back in our own hands, but trust you. So, Father, every need, every concern, Lord, we give to you as the body. We thank you that we can serve in this country, in this corner. Lord, we lift up all those in this place of places of power in this world, and we trust that you are in control, that, Lord, you will bring everything to light that needs to be brought to light. But, Lord, may we know that our ship is safe and secure when you are the anchor to our soul. So, Father, our hope and our trust is in you. As we go, may we be a light and encouraged to be in your word. And may we wake up in the morning and say, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. How may we be used today? In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. May you go and be a blessing. And if you need prayer, we're here to pray for you. Again, look forward to seeing you next week as we continue in Romans.